Welcome to Vino 101, episode 57. Welcome to Vino 101. I'm Bill. Hello, everyone. This is Al, and uh, here we are in um, Sebastopol, California. Uh, it's raining. Yay. Really happy that it's raining. Uh, yeah, it's a good uh... excuse not to get in the um, backyard and do anything. Yeah, uh, yeah. seeing as how we're spending a little more time at home. Yeah, yeah. How you doing, Bill? With the uh, with the uh, stay in place. How's the family doing? Well, I, you know, I'm. We're all fine. And of course, you know, my wife is an RN, so she's out to the hospital and back. Um, but a pediatric nurse and has encountered no COVID patients. And then I'm I'm part, I'm part of an essential business in in collision repair and auto repair. So I have travel papers. I should have brought my, uh, I should have brought my little, I have a write-up that's signed with like official state language. I'm, I'm free to travel. We didn't, uh, you know, I hadn't talked to you about that bill, but I am also an essential employee. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I, I have my papers also. It's funny. It's great. Well, Hey, I was in the grocery store yesterday and you would not. I mean, the only way that you would, you know, you would think something broke in their kitchen because none of their hot bars are operating. Yeah. That'd be the yeah. only way that you would know, you know, well, what happened to the salad bar? Did this break? You know? Yeah. That was the first thing to go. It's like, yeah, gee, maybe it's not such a good idea for everyone to be handling this one utensil. Oh yeah. The same food. You think that's a good idea? Well, I mean, those things were kind of, you know, cesspools of various bugs anyway. And no disrespect to the providers that have those things. It's just there's a lot of people touching that stuff. Yeah, and it's an it's an awesome way to um to sell food at a really high price. Well, that's a different, you know, that's a whole different kettle of fish, right? Um I really want the big um buffet serving tray of french fries. Boy, they're the best ever. <laughs> you know the ones that have been sitting there for 8 hours? Awesome. <laughs> That's up there with the uh, the little uh, hot dog that's rotating around for like three or four hours at the Seven oh, Eleven. Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's good. They do go they do go reverse direction though, so you know you get the nice. It's nice and done. There you go. Hey man, some people like them crispy. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And you only have to you know I have you have to try one of those things at least once because they have like crazy these just bizarre concoctions of stuff. They're like, oh, I'll try your, you know, double cheese, bacon, hot dog, wrapped in, I don't know, what wrapped in like its own bun. You take one bite and you're like, wow, that's, uh, what is this? (laughs) What is this? I'm sure I've had one of those. No, I don't know if I've ever had one of those. Well, I don't, you know, I'm just making up the name, but it's like one of those (laughs) things. It's like, wow, I got it. It's two bucks. I got to try one. Their latest thing at Seven Eleven. Have you been in? I was in probably a month ago. I don't know. I stopped by. I was going. I, I think I was going to pick Mary Beth up at work for some reason. <clears throat> so I stopped in. The guy was trying to. They were selling pizza. At Seven Eleven. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so this was the one that was over by the fairgrounds, right when you get off Twelve and you come underneath the road. Got gotcha. Seven Eleven. Um, and the guy was like, it was like $3 for two slices of pizza. So you can imagine. That must have been some quality ingredients in that bad boy. I passed. 
<laughs> I'm like, I'm good, man. I'm looking at it. Because I know pizza, I'm kind of a pizza scrub. I'll just like, mmm, pizza. Yeah. You know? I'll just, try it. I'll give it a run. Heck yeah, shit. I'll, you know, worst case scenario, it's just bread and cheese. Toss it out. It's fine. Boy, this stuff I pass, so that's a testament. You would have been better off going to the place next door, Papusas, and uh, no kidding. There. Believe me, when he showed me the pizza, that was my first thought. I just go get a pupusa. <laughs> well, hey, um, let's uh, we're, you know this. Obviously, we're uh, dealing with uh, some crazy stuff, so we're gonna try to get some wine talk in here because uh, I don't know about you, but I'm really burned out on the COVID nineteen. Uh, yeah. yeah. But I did. Uh, I did have an interesting thing happen to me recently you know sometimes i have a hard time letting go of something that's really good i had a really great wine uh maybe six months ago yeah maybe longer than that maybe a year ago it's called boliero can you see that label yeah yeah it's um it's a weird um thing there it looks like a lady that's got a bunch of feathers on her other way but it's a um rosso de montalcino it's 2015 this is uh, probably one of the better bottles of wine that I had last year. So I was really excited when I discovered a new site um, online that had this wine. And I said, that's great. I'll order some of it because I've drank, I drank them all. So I received it and uh, did, I put it in the queue like I normally do with wines and typically for me the wines will sit for at least three or four weeks before i even get around to them i got like a, a system that i go through so eventually i got to this bottle and i'd ordered a six pack well actually i would order a whole case from this place and i'd ordered six of these and the first thing i noticed when i pulled the bottle out of the package was i noticed that the airspace from the top of the neck on up there's a large amount of air and that's called ulage. And it's almost right to the t tip top of the shoulder. But I figure, eh, it's a 2015. Maybe they just had a low fill. No big deal. This bottle, by the way, uh, you you guys can't see it, but I'm going to open it up. I just wanted Bill to see it while it was, yeah. you know, fully wrapped. It looks fine, it's, right? The top looks it great. It does. I mean, the, all that stuff looks good, but I do see what you're saying. Yeah, there's no, uh, it doesn't look like there's any, uh, it leaked out of the top and, you know, the, the wine came out on the label or anything. There's nothing like that. So let me open it up and I'll show you what happened to me. This is from the same lot. I guess maybe I'll just take the whole, let me take the whole capsule off and then that way maybe we could see the cork. This is fascinating podcasting, I know. Uh, you know. Okay. So, uh, you really can't see it. So, let me just go ahead and pull it out. I'll pull, pull the cork out. And um, the, cork will, the cork tells a story. But if you look on the top of this, can you see that, Bill, the top of it? Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing. It's I'm clean. I'm like, right? I don't see anything. Yeah, it's clean. It's like, usually if a bottle leaks... Yeah, you'll get the uh, the cork leaks. You'll see the you'll see the red. Yep. You know, especially on a red wine, you'll see the red at the top. So pulling the cork, and see as I pull that out, notice how much. Oh. That's the first thing I notice. Uh oh. See how much the cork is soaked, yep. almost sixty to seventy percent. 
Yep. So when I saw that, I was like, yeah, that's that's kind of weird. Not good. Okay, she's open. All right, now I'll show you the cork. And if you look at the cork, you can see that 75, uh, 75% of that cork is soaked. Done. Okay, so then I smell the cork, which is no big deal. It's like, yeah, no big deal. Smells like, cork. smells like cork and wine. And I look at the wine, I go, hmm, looks, it's okay. And I smell the wine, and I've had the wine a bunch of times. And I, I'm like, that's not that wine. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> so I wasn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't sure. So what I did was I opened up another bottle of um, Chianti from that year, Sangiovese. And I had it right next to it. And then when I put them together side by side, you could see the color. Because one of the ways that you judge a wine, you know, initially is by the color. So if you put that wine glass against a nice white background, you can see the color of the wine. And obviously you won't see it here, but you can see how it's bricked a little bit towards the edge. What I mean by bricked is it turns a little that light brown, brown color. And it was really obvious when you put it against the wine of the same vintage that hadn't didn't have this 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 color flaw. So what happened probably with this wine was this wine was was heat damaged, and it's aged before its time because it got hit with the heat somewhere somewhere it got heated up, and uh, that's what happened. Wow. And uh, so on to the experience of how this was solved. Yeah. So on to your online retailer. <laughs> so I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure because this is the first time I'd ever bought anything from this retailer. And uh, so I wrote him. I, well, first of all, I wasn't really sure. So the next night I opened up another bottle and that confirmed that, yeah, it was, you know, all, of the, the same so all six. Yeah. So it wasn't one. So, I mean, if it was a one off, you could understand, but if both of them weren't. So I wrote him and I said, Hey, uh, yeah, I received this wine four weeks ago. Um, it appears the wine's heat damaged, and uh, I'd like to uh, return it and buy something else. And about the next morning, they sent me an email back and said, "No problem. Just let me know what you want to, um, what you, uh, you know." No, well, first they said, um, "No problem. Contact our um, some department they had, like a claims department or somebody else somewhere, and just tell them the story that you told me." I think I called them first. That's what I did. Uh. So then um, I, I just wrote them an email, and sure enough, they said, uh, no problem. Uh, just let us know. Um, they said, don't worry about sending it back, which is interesting. They said, just don't worry about it. Just let us know what you want, and we'll send it out to you. Huh. And then they issued a credit. I got the credit like the next day, and then I just ordered something else. So, you know, for everyone out there, if you get a wine that's spoiled, don't feel like you're stuck with the wine. Just call the retailer. If it's a good retailer, they're going to, you know, they'll make you whole. Yeah. That's what they do. Because they, they want you to be happy. Again. They want you to hold again. They don't want you drinking bad wine. That's the moral of the story. Well, I so, thought I thought you were going to say, I thought you were going to have some horror story about, you know, the initial 
you know, the initial folks saying, hey, yeah, return it. It's all good. And then then getting a month of runaround or something. So (laughs) we should mention that retailer. That's a reputable retailer. Well, no, here's here's the thing. Um, Not only did they make the fact that they made good on it without like, ah, they didn't make a big deal out of it. I ended up ordering more wine. Yeah. So, and I have that wine and actually it's, uh, they had something else that was really good that I got. And it's fantastic. So, but, uh, unfortunately that wine's, that wine's, uh, no longer, uh, and it's no longer available anyway. So, but, uh, not to bag on, uh, Valero because their wines are fantastic. Um, if you get a chance, the 2018 Rosso Montalcino is coming out, and uh, that is a beautiful wine. 17 and 18 are coming out, so okay. and to make a great Brunello also. Ah. So there we are. Um, that starts us off in a little bit of the, in a little bit of a, some good things can happen in the world. It's just how you, you know, if you deal with the professional organization, uh, they're going to take care of you. Um, one way to tell that it's not a professional organization is if, is if they give you the runaround. Yeah. But that was uh, B21 Wines. They're out of uh, Florida. Nice. That's uh, So that was my first experience with them. Uh, didn't start out great, but um, it, it, it all worked out. Yeah. They've got a really cool uh, setup where I think on the 21st of every month, they will send you a full case of wine for only $12 shipping. Which, if uh, if you're into getting wine shipped in from different places, that's a steaming deal because usually it's it can be anywhere from thirty five to forty fifty bucks to get a box of wine shipped to you. Yeah, that's a that is a good deal. Yeah. So uh, we're we're neat. We're just like super super deep here in Sonoma. What is this? This is the beginning of our third week, I believe. Yeah, that's of being. In- uh, being sheltered in place or quarantined or whatever. Well, I, you know, it's like, you know, the doctor recommended you should exercise every day. So some days, you know, I'm in quarantine and other days I'm driving around like it's normal. Yeah. Um, yeah. We can, you know, we can, we can work this out. Like, um, it's, it's no problem. You know, we can still operate and quarantine at the same time. I it's guess possible. I, I, you know, we saw yesterday in the news that uh, the New Yorkers didn't take too well to being completely locked down. Yeah, man. Which is, Ooh. yeah, that's no surprise, though. Come on. I don't think it matters who's in political power. I mean, you're telling, I mean, look, Americans, you're telling Americans they have to do something voluntarily. I mean, that'll, yeah, okay, I'll do that for a day. <laughs> you know, yeah, how, how's that working out I got to get back to work. You see those beaches the first week when uh, the mayor of California, or not the mayor, excuse me, the governor um, said, "Hey, yeah, you guys, uh, I'm going to ask you to stay at home, and uh, you know, I could, I could clamp down, but I know you guys are all going to follow the rules." Those beaches were so packed. <laughs> oh my god! The gates are open. <laughs> we went out the other day to play tennis. Are the courts closed? I don't know. It's open. There's nobody there. Might as well play tennis. Oh, jeez. We're all infected anyway. <laughs> with each other. Well, here's my thing. I think that, I mean, we, we kind of talked about this before. I believe this has this this virus has been around a lot longer than, than we're all aware of, for one. And I think that more people have been exposed to it than we know because, well, obviously we're not testing that many people to begin with. So yeah. how could you possibly know if you're not testing? Um 
and it's for for the vast majority of people it's benign i mean i don't know bill i think i had covid-19 in december there well the you know the theories about a virus spreading you know based on the current travel network would would make sense that 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 it's entirely possible let me say it that way and then you know we're finding out that the chinese were dealing with this back in you know november possibly even october so, you know, there were there was free free, you know, movement, you know, in and out of Wuhan up until what, January? That's, you know, weeks of people traveling internationally. And you know, yeah. once it hits an airport, it's like 18 hours and it's in every other airport. So, I mean, it globally and it's probably even less than that now. You know how well, fast it can spread. If it's that viral, I mean, it's, you know, they're saying 17 days now on a surface or something. Yeah. I yeah. saw some, and I didn't read the article. So, you know, it could, there could be some nuance to that. I saw the headline. But this thing is, you know, and, and there's another friend of mine sent me, um, there's been this Swiss doctor that's been keeping all these stats. But on Friday or Thursday, he posted these studies from, University of Bonn, someplace in Venice, two places in Germany, a place in Switzerland, Stanford, and I can't remember where else. And the, uh, you know, the the docs are all like, this is no worse than a bad cold or a mild or a you know, an like an intermediate flu. Mm -hmm. They're saying it's just like in influenza, but I, you know, as we as we also talked about, you know, I think this is, um, you know, it's new. You know, it's not like influenza, and what I mean by that is they, you know, they know how to create a vaccine for, you know, a flu shot. They know that right. they know the strains and you know, it operates in the body. You know, this not so much. But to your point, anecdotally, there are a lot of people I know this year that never get sick that were sick for a long time. You know, they were sick for, and not like down, but you know, coughing. And there was a, you know, a week maybe 10 days where they were like out, you know, they had like a flu, but it wasn't, you know, they were like, I, you know, I feel like I got some bad cold or flu. And so, yeah, I think it's been around a while. We just don't know it because <clears throat> we don't have yeah, the my, my wife is, my, my wife has been um, sick off and on for probably like five weeks, almost six weeks, I'd say. I mean, it's been, I mean, she she go through periods where she feels good. Hey, did I, did I lose you, Bill? No, no, I'm here. I'm just. Uh, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. She um she she went through periods where oh she feel she feel good one day she'd wake up she'd feel good and then like the next day oh I feel like crap again, you know. And uh, I mean, literally, it was it was she was not good, man, for over a month. It's like oh, yeah. wow. Now I had it, but. You know, whatever whatever it was that I had, I was I didn't go to work. I think I said this before. I didn't go to work for four days, which is pretty unusual That's for a, me. Yep. But um, I when I the thing that made me kind of uh, weird about it was when I went to the doctor. The doctor had like they're like, we have no idea what you have. <laughs> I had no idea. Why don't you come back on? You know, come back in a few days and we'll look at you again. It's like, what? What are you gonna go do some reading or something? What do you mean you don't know yeah. what I have? Yeah. Well, it's just like, let's see if you get worse. Because oh, you know, if you get a fever and you can't breathe, well, I can treat you. 
I can put you on a ventilator, give you some steroid, aerosolized steroids to help your lungs. Yeah. You know, if you got a, uh, if you got something that I can treat, but like, you know, yeah, you're sick. Got a cold. Go home. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, they don't know. Yeah, the first thing, uh, it was a nurse practitioner. First thing she said to me, I remember, she goes, well, you have a slightly elevated fever. And I'm like, well, gee, (laughs) thanks for that. I knew that. Oh, my God. I've had it for like four days. That's why I'm here. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's a crazy world. Hey, Bill, let's let's do some. How do you want to do this wine? We've got uh, we got a new uh, thing we're gonna do here. Bill's got <laughs> yeah a couple of uh, Pinot well, Noirs. I guess we're doing a uh, what do you call it, Bill? A virtual tasting. Yeah, exactly. I was like, hey, we're in the virtual tasting business, so which is all the rage now. I know, like every winemaker I know has been uh, has been. Hey, I'm gonna be on the you know I'm gonna be online today from three to five tasting. Join me. <laughs> um, all the way to the point where people are packaging it. So, you know, one of the best ones I saw was a vintner out of um, um, Napa who you literally, like, go online and buy the tasting experience. They ship you the wine, and then he literally, it's its the same exact thing that you would get in the tasting room, except you're not there. I mean, he's, yeah, you got uh, the wines in front of you. He tells you how to decant them. How to pour, you know, just like he would do or his staff would do in the tasting room, which I thought was like, that's a good idea. Like that's, you know, I mean, it is trying to sell wine. So, I mean, you're kind of getting the exact same thing that you would be there. I mean, except the fact you've got to buy, you've got to buy the bottles beforehand. Um, Yeah, that's what they're doing at um, uh, Farniente is doing that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, that's all good and fine, but I, I mean, I haven't bought any wines, any Farniente wines recently. They're really good wines. They just, I, I believe they only make three wines, um, you know, predominantly Chardonnay, and then they make um, uh, a Napa Cabernet also. But I I think they're, I don't know, I haven't bought their wines in such a long time. I got to think that their Cabernet's 150 bucks or something, and their Chardonnay's probably $50, $60. I mean, these aren't grocery store wines so yeah well you know i wonder if somebody's gonna you know as we're talking here i was thinking wow what a great opportunity to take some of your wine and package it in a you know in a way that i don't need to buy a bottle maybe a half bottle or just a Mm -hmm. small taster so that's going to cost less to ship and then, you know, I could do this virtual tasting thing. I mean, that could, you know, I think one of the things when the virus is we're going to find out on many levels how, um, you know, this is really going to help accelerate things in a 21st century context. And what I mean by that is, wow, I could actually do virtual tastings. It could be a thing as part of my business even after it recovers. Yeah. So yeah. I can increase I can increase my reach from a DTC standpoint, direct to consumer standpoint, in a way that I couldn't before because I didn't even think of it like this. But now I have you know I now have a captive audience. I'm seeing that in education. My son's schools are coping with the fact that they now have to do education in 21st century context, which means yeah, there's no reason you can't get everybody into a virtual classroom every day and have a class. Absolutely no reason. It doesn't require a lot of compute power or a lot of internet connection, um, especially with the tools that are out there. 
governments are learning. You know, hey, you know, this whole idea that you've been operating on paper for the last 20 years, 30 years, you got to change it now gotcha. um, and overnight, which is great. And then we're going to uh, hopefully we're going to find out we don't need all this administrative staff and lower costs. That's a big thing for me. I think there's a lot of people out there who may not go back to work. Well, initially, because there's not even going to be a demand. Yeah. I mean, it's not like let's just say the um, the lockdown or the shelter in place is lifted um on easter and there's all these people in the churches um yeah. i'm just laughing yeah i'm laughing i'm sorry it. i couldn't help myself <laughs> that's great man. that's so wrong i know no i don't know you know i don't is it i mean no one knows no one knows and you know i i kind of feel for the leadership because i don't you know at any level you talk to the docs and you know how that goes 30 yeah, of them like, say lock everybody in their world. house yeah. Shut down the world for five years. Exactly. Lock <laughs> everyone up and deploy the National Guard in hazmat suits. You know, you know that advice is happening. Absolutely. And absolutely. then there's, you know, 30 other people are like, ah, it's a cold. <laughs> Let it go. The answer lies somewhere in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> As usual. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so, you know, I, I just, uh, um, I, I find it, it it's going to, it is a, uh, Somebody made the comment to me the other day that this is kind of like this is a catalyst, a global catalyst event, not unlike a world war, except it, it you know, like it's it's so it, it can it could bring such a massive change. Yeah, yeah. Um, it already has. Yeah, uh, in way and but in ways that we don't really anticipate yet. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's really it's a, it's man, it's a certainly interesting time. I do. I did enjoy the meme though of uh, of the. There was this meme rolling around Twitter of the of these moms who were like, "Oh my God, my kid's teacher's right. He is yes. a little monster. He is a you little know, my, monster." My my, what my, uh, my sister is. Uh, she teaches. Uh, she has for years. She's a professional educator. Yeah. She teaches first graders. Yeah. And she's been sending me those those little memes and videos, and they're just classic. Reap what you sow. <laughs> oh, my kid's perfect. Oh, yeah. Live with him for a couple of days. Try to teach him something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Too much, man. Yeah. Well, I think uh, my, I I'm think... all for that online. I A lot of stuff is happening, especially as far as uh, higher education. We're starting to, you know, people are going to actually be questioning, you know, do I really need to be, you know, <laughs> on a campus? You know, paying X amount for a dorm dormitory. I mean, I could just be at home. Yeah. Can you just give me the test? Yeah. <laughs> if I pass the test, I'll pay your to. I'll pay for the diploma. I'll pay for the paper. There we go. Too oh. much. So, um, in all of this craziness, um, Bill Swindle, of the Press Democrat, he wrote up uh, a quick article, and obviously the month of March isn't done, so. You know, this is an estimate that um, for March there could be losses up to 400 million for uh, uh, wineries. And this survey was conducted by the Wine American um, Trade Group, but they only uh, surveyed 10% uh, of the U.S. wineries, so it's slightly skewed. <laughs> so they did the, you know, the. Uh, but but anyway, they said it's statistically survey, relevant. Yeah, yeah. This There's is, so what, thousands the, of them. In the, in the survey, they found that there was almost 5,000 layoffs of about 11,000 employees. And the wineries had canceled 
um, four and a half thousand events. That and that hurts, man. Yeah, that's that's so those events is where people are, as you say, pressing the flesh. Yep, and that's where this virtual uh, experience is is going to come in handy because if you're not, if people aren't making it out to your property, you're not standing at your tasting bar. You're not selling, you're not wine. selling product. Yeah. And if the restaurants are closed or are operating at a limping capacity, which most of them are, your distributors aren't selling your wine either. All of that product is sitting somewhere. So um, I got news for you. You know, if you own a winery, the bank is still going to want their payment at the end of the month. You know, there's not going to be a grace period <laughs> on your loan payment. Yeah, I, so, don't, I don't know. It's just not clear. <laughs> it's just not. I mean, it is. It is. You're absolutely right. But I mean, seriously, people are just kind of lost their heads about this stuff. Yeah. I mean, what do you yeah. do when you call the bank and no one answers the phone? Yeah. Because there's and that's happening. I, there's <laughs> nobody there. Does my payment really do? Yeah. I, there's and nobody. Here, to, let's, let's just let's just take it one step further. I was talking with my son about this. Huh. Okay, so so your mortgage payment is due. So you don't pay your mortgage payment. Let's just say the bank gives you a grace and they say, okay, we're going to, you don't have to pay this month. We'll add this month on to the last month. You owed 32 months left. Now you're going to have 33 and you can skip this month. And that's all good and fine. Sounds, sounds great, right? But what, what, if, what happens to the bank? The bank's not getting paid. And what happens to all the people that the bank is lending the money to, to make money? The bank doesn't have that working capital anymore. So it just cascades down the line. Bill, you're chomping at the bit. I can see. <laughs> I just mo modern money theory. That's all I have to say. Look it up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> modern money theory is just keep printing money. <laughs> well, we're, we're doing a good job of that. Just keep man. printing it. That's you what, see it, that printing press going? It's, it's just bits. <laughs> it's just bits. I mean, we it, seriously, modern money theory basically is like, Hey, I have a credit card. It has unlimited. It has unlimited. It has no limit. <laughs> and when I need more money because I've I've spent it all, I just print more. It doesn't really matter. It just goes into debt. I don't know. I'm thinking. I'm grossly. I'm grossly um, poking fun at this idea. But this is like a legitimate thing people are talking about. Yeah. And it what before before all of this. Um, in fact, I believe Bernie's campaign, um, both Bernie and, uh, um, Elizabeth Warren had talked, talked about policies that were sort of based on some of this, you know, this whole idea about paying for college and healthcare is somewhat wrapped up in this modern money theory. Well, yeah, this is, this whole healthcare thing is going to really come to the fore now. This this national healthcare that's being pushed by the by the you know the the left side, because it it's becoming you know it's becoming quite relevant that there are perhaps some holes in our healthcare system that we probably should address. Um, you know, it it remains to be seen if anything's going to be done about that, but this certainly does put a spotlight on that particular issue in my in my opinion. Yeah. No, no doubt about that. 
So, Bill, how do you want to do this? We've got uh, three, we've got two wines. Actually, the reason I said three was that I uh, opened up something else to um, go along with these. But we've got a couple of wines from Oregon. Uh, you want to tell us about them? Yeah, so one of them is, uh, um, so we had talked, we had, we've talked before about Joe Wagner. He's the guy that uh, started Miomi Pino and then sold the brand and then was in trouble with the Oregon, was it TTB? I mean, yep. Uh, Oregon TTB because he was trucking. Well, I, I mean, he got in trouble, but we think he got in trouble because people were like, hey, you can't do what you're doing, which is trucking the grapes out of Oregon to California and then making the Pinot in California. Vintning or vinifying, however you want to say that. There's probably a better word for that. Um, making the wine and bottling it in California and then, you know, selling it as Oregon wine. <clears throat> so we thought we would try a um uh in a Willamette Valley Pinot Noir, which has very distinct characteristics, and then one of his wine, which are sourced from some of the grapes in the Willamette Valley, although it's not a hundred percent Willamette Valley wine. And my supposition was those two wines, the 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 Wagner wine, which is called Elowan, and the other wine that we tried, which is um I'm gonna butcher the uh um the name. Il Hui. That's and it's um it's I L L A H E winery would taste quite different. And it, it 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 there were no surprises in me in the tasting. The uh the Wagner wine, Elowan, these were both twenty sixteen wines, by the way, tasted very much like a Russian River Pinot Noir to me. So very, very fruit forward, big jammy, big mouth feel, um, you know, very full mouth feel, um, you know, very true to type sort of Russian River Pinot Noir with just a little bit of the earthiness and the tobacco. And I'll also say sort of chalkiness that you get from Oregon. The uh, Ilhui wine for me tasted exactly like I thought an Oregon Pinot would taste. Not as big in terms of the mouthfeel um, on, on the palate. Um, and I a lot of people had different tasting notes than I did with that wine. So I got a little bit of tobacco, a little bit of chalk, and and more of the sort of, uh, um, like, it was almost like prune, prune-ish to me. I know that isn't a great, um, may not be a great word to use, but it, it sort of had that sort of raisiny, pruney, um, taste to me. So in my mind, these two wines kind of tasted exactly like I thought they would. Um, and no surprise, you know, I put that, I would put that Elowan Pinot in front of people and they'd love it. They would love it. And in fact, it, what was most interesting is I tasted it with three people, four people, and everybody liked the Elowan to start, but over time, over the course of a, of a meal, everybody came around to the Elhui. And like the Elhui better, um, and so that's my um, um, that's sort of what I had to say about them. How about you? Um, what's the price point on that Elhui? Um, I that that thing was pretty. Um, I got a good deal on that wine. Because the 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 Elowan's what about twenty bucks? 
The Elawan was, I bought the Elawan for $15.99. $15.99, okay. Yeah, so but it typically retails, I think if you buy it, it typically retails for 15 and the Elawan is 18 But if you go buy them on the open market right now, if you go look for them, they're priced almost identically. They're like a buck off from each other. Um, and I think the okay, Elawans okay. now are selling in the 20s, by the way. And, and so is the Elui. But, uh, you know, net-net, in summary, the Oregon wine tasted like an... You still there? Yes, I am. Oh, cool. The Oregon wine um, tasted like an Oregon Pinot. And, or sorry, the Elui tasted like an Oregon Pinot to me, and the yellow one tasted like a Russian River Pinot, or at least in that style. Okay. Okay. Well, maybe that's uh, in in uh, deference to his um, the the tagline on the site when you go for Elowan, uh Oregon. It says Oregon wines with a hint of California influence. Yeah. I'm I would say there's a little more than a hint in there, but hey, okay. So I don't know how it works. I don't, you know, I think part of the reason that he ran into loggerheads with the people up in Oregon um, was that he was bringing the wine to California to process at his plants in California, which is fine in his mind. Um, it's It's breaking the rules, so to speak. And I think when you're saying that a wine's Oregon and you might possibly be, be blending some California grapes into that blend also, that I, I think that's where they got a little bit, a little bit in trouble, like scruffed. So I, you know, I'll just go on with, with, with what I thought about the wines. Cause you, you actually gave me a little bit, a little bit more information that I didn't know. Cause I didn't look up anything. I just kind of just tasted them and that's I needed, a, I needed, um, I needed a, a, a constant in this that I'm familiar with, so I actually opened up a Sonoma Coast Pinot Noir, ah. and this is uh, and had it side by side. This one's got a little bit more age, so obviously it's not fair. It's not the same vintage. This is a 2011, so a Pinot Noir with a you know a fair amount of age on it. Um, Who's Pinot? It's W. H. Smith. Okay. Okay, and uh, I'll tell you about the W.H. Smith wine first, um, just as far as it's made like a typical Pinot, uh, cold soaking, um, stainless steel fermentation, transferred to barrel to dry out, um, uh, nine months in uh, new and used French oak, you know, I think 50-50, uh, it's 14.5% alcohol. They only made like about 600 cases of it. And, you know, such, it's just a, a, a classic textbook uh, Pinot Noir, um, a, a whole spectrum of different clones, Dijon 777, Dijon 667, Dijon 115, um, Swan and Pomar. Just, just a, you know, it's, it's classic, classic Sonoma County Pinot, Pinot Noir. Yeah. Uh, this was a gift to me, so I don't really know what it cost. <laughs> but... Uh, judging on the quality, I'd say it probably was probably like 35 40 bucks. Yep, they're right. $40 wines. Right in that zone. Yep. So I had that along with these. I tried the Oregon wines first. Um, my thoughts on the Elawan was that um, it's got like a medium dark ruby color. 
it's got that classic cherry cola kind of you're alluding to this california type of thing going on um uh the i found the flavors in the middle uh kind of muddled it's like i didn't know where it was going it's like it's that I red that. It's that black fruit i know it was just yeah it was kind of disjointed in the middle like what is wait a minute yeah this is pinot but, what fruit flavor am i getting yeah i hear you but the, but the main thing uh about this wine was it was true to type you know you could definitely uh, recognize that it was a pinot noir um right off the bat it was it was darker than I expected it to be in color, you know, be, being that it was an Oregon Pinot Noir, and uh, but it had very very nice soft tannins, um, and it was very it was just super easy drinking. So I mean, I would be if I I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find an Oregon Pinot Noir that drank this well for sixteen bucks anywhere else. I think it's a, that'd be a hard find. Yeah. So so yep. it's, it's a it's a pretty good value. Yeah, it's a good value wine. Um, one thing I did mention that you did bring up is there there was a very clear difference in the color. Yeah, yeah. You know, they were they're very much. And, and my expectation is, is that Oregon Pinots are a bit more austere. And what I mean by that is they're they're not as jammy. Mouthfeel isn't as sort of big. Um, you know, their color isn't intense and as dark. And it, it those those wines certainly showed those character the contrast and those characteristics for me. Now the uh, uh, Ilawani, that's yeah, it, right? Il, Il, yeah. Because it's it, it's not pronounced anywhere like it's spelled. <laughs> no, no. And I'm I was looking at their site um, about that. Did I lose that? Already? It's got to be an Indian name, right? Obviously, it is. It's a Chinook name for what it's worth. Okay. And it's I L L U H H E E. That's how they say to say it. Il Hui. Il Hui. And it okay. kind of means tawar. So it's a Chinook word that means earth, place, or soul, soil. Okay. Soil. All right. Well, you know, the one thing I like about this is I like trying to wines and not knowing anything about them. <laughs> so it really, you know, and I love the idea of doing the uh, contrast and compare, as you'll see. So um, um, the Ilawani is um, it's light to medium ruby ruby color, so it, it's definitely um, a much brighter, um, uh, clearer um, um, look than um, than the Ilawani. Yeah. Um, uh, right off the bat on the nose, I got strawberries and rhubarb. I mean, just jumps out at you. Yeah. Um, uh, cinnamon and clove on the back end, so it seems to have a little bit more spice to it. This wine. Um, uh, noticeably, uh, also, uh, very soft tannins. It's very velvety tannins and, um, medium acidity, probably, um, a, a, a better pairing for food than the Elawan. The Elawan would be kind of something you could just, you know, you could pop Drink. open. People could just, they could get with it right away. Yep. Whereas, um, whereas this wine, uh, you know, probably, uh, a little harder on your palate and it, 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 it demands food i'd say so uh those are my uh those are my thoughts on that i had i tried like i said i tried the 2011 uh pinot and uh that was a little bit uh color wise kind of on the same level as the um Elawan. but uh when you put your nose in it initially it was just like a it was a big oak monster oh really yeah, huh. you could tell that it, you know, 
it was it was over the top for me. Yeah. Um, but uh, and I just my first note, the first thing I wrote down was big Oki. wow but once you got past that the other elements were there that you're looking for in pinot it had the black cherry cola thing going the cinnamon uh the allspice there was a little um there's a little forest floor and uh you know just it was it was your typical sonoma coast pinot noir with perhaps maybe a little bit too much barrel for me but um a good a, a really good bottle so those are my thoughts. What's what's what I really liked about it was um, it gives you a clear indicator of the difference between a wine from the same grape that is grown in different regions. Yeah, because Oregon it's a little bit cooler, and the wines from Oregon, the Pinot Noirs they have just because you know it's a different area for growing. Uh, they don't have. Uh, is as much uh, backbone and they're, they're not as tannic and they're, they're a little bit, um, they, they have more acidity to them and they're a little, they're a little fresher and a little zippier. So that was the value that I found in it, you know, cause it was immediately noticeable cause I watched the, um, what was that movie? There's a new movie out now, something, it's like some Psalm movie. It's on Netflix. Yeah. But we watched it last night. It's called Psalm, right? Call songs or something, yeah. And they yeah. were um, the um, the guy was like uh, they were tasting the wines, and they had to get them down to the vintage, the region, you know, the grape variety, region, vintage, yeah, all that, maker, all that stuff. Yeah, but and this is obviously it's much, it's much more basic. But if you really want to learn about wines, one of the best ways to learn about wines is to compare and contrast. And you know, for for, for since forever when I first started um, learning wine, I always, I never opened one bottle, I always opened two. And be two of the same type usually. Yeah, and, uh, you know, different different uh, vintners. And that's that's a really good way to uh, uh, increase your learning curve. That's what I got. I'm going to try this Rosso since I got it open. Yeah, we got it open. See, uh, see what it's like. It's not good. Yeah, so one of the uh, – no, I bet. One of the things that uh, I did not know that I'm reading here is that they use actually uh, – um, Il, Ilhui actually uses a uh, both French and Oregon oak. <laughs> Oregon oak, huh? Yeah, they use a gentle wooden basket press and age their Pinot in, in French and Oregon oak. So – you know, I don't think that makes that much difference in terms of the uh, in 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 this case of, of what we're doing. But you know, I think you're this really. You know, we could. It would be interesting to sort of see if there we could find out what specific clone of Pinot is in the Elawan <clears throat> and the Ohui. I'm not sure that we could do that. But the um, as you say, the styles are very. Um, it, it's it's interesting to compare and contrast the styles, and you no. Know, so for me, what I was really curious is, you know, is this Elawan going to taste like a Sonoma County Pinot Noir? Yeah, um, no, I don't think it did. The uh, I mean, I think, the Elawan? Yeah, no, I don't think it did. I think it tasted more. 
I think it tasted more like a Sonoma County Pinot Noir than the Louis did. Yeah. It, it's definitely Oregon Pinot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's the diff. I don't know if I got it across well. The difference between the W.H. Smith and both of those Oregon Pinot Noirs, it's like night and day. Yeah. Those wines are that the that California Pinot that is so much more robust and bold, and the flavors are so much more pronounced. Whereas um, the Oregon Pinot Pinots, they're, they're much more nuanced. The flavors are there; they're the same flavors. It's just the volume is turned down significantly. Hmm. That's a good. I did not. Um, it was a really good idea to try it with a uh, with an actual. Um, Sonoma County Pinot, um, I, especially with one of the same price point. Um, but yeah, this is good. We'll do this again. It was, a, it was fun, actually. And of course, you know, Pinot is popular in my home, so that's always a winner. <laughs> you, it's, you mean it's not just sitting around? No, that's all gone. That's all gone. <laughs> it's, it, I'm, I'm starting to drink through my cellar now, which is good, too. Um, well, you know, you, yeah, my a, massive cellar. But, uh, that's an interesting point. I'm telling you, since this whole thing has happened with the shelter in place and the whole, um, you know, I mean, we've been well into a good three plus weeks of COVID-19 coronavirus uh, overload. I mean, because our last podcast, we were just starting. Just starting. Yeah. Yeah. And that's been what? It was all in China. It was all <laughs> it was all China craziness. And then the yeah, Italians it was, it got was, it. It. It, was, it was the Chinese virus. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's great yeah you can't make this stuff up <laughs> you can't Could you imagine telling somebody 10 years there's going to be a global pandemic and donald trump will be president <laughs> people think you're crazy they, they literally think you're crazy that's too much man yeah it's too i mean much. It's so like... but but i one of the things that i've done uh since this is and and it's just it's coincidental actually because um, this typically is the time of the year when I get in all my orders um, from uh, my wines that I've been looking for that I can't get in this area. It, it's typically when I, I get them in before the weather turns warm and then, you know, you, don't want to you can't ship anything. Yep. So uh, it's just coincidence. But I've received a whole bunch of wine lately. And my, my wife is now she's now working at home because she's been deemed non-essential. And uh, she's been here to receive all the packages, which is kind of nice. So every day, every morning, she, you know, she goes, "Are, are we getting a package today?" I'm, uh, no, no, we got one coming Tuesday, you know. So you know, my stealth mode is no longer, uh, it's no longer in. You know, she knows everything that's coming into oh. the door now. Yeah, well, that 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 could be that could be a pro and a con. <laughs> so I'm in trouble, but um, Maybe. To, to your point, my. Uh, um, my bottles run it over only because I'm just taking in this big supply. So I'm I'm good, man. I'm ready to be locked down for at least six, seven, eight months. Oh yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I got plenty of wine. That's not gonna be a problem. <laughs> that is so. Definitely... Um, uh, the one thing that really kind of uh, um, just rings back, and I think we talked about this a long time ago, because this happened to me years ago. They said one of the things that can happen, and one of the symptoms. Um, uh, early symptom of uh, coronavirus infection is if you start to lose your, if you get a decreased sense of smell. And uh, man, uh, you know, wine geeks don't want to hear anything about that. No, not at all. And I haven't noticed any of that yet, so I'm good. 
<laughs> that would be a bad, a bad thing, man. So this doctor, Dr. Hopkins, she says uh, she started out in the field. She, she keeps jars of coffee and cloves and strong mint to test patients' sense of smell. Oh, that's interesting. And she believes wine is just as good when it comes to testing your olfactory senses at home and possibly detecting early onset of the virus. So, hey, let's start drinking and smelling and tasting some wines out there, people. Yeah. Now, early the detection. Now's the time. Now is the time, early detection. So I've been, uh, I'll try, I'll do that today for sure. So are you going to go out today, Bill? Or is anyone in your family allowed to go out? Oh, here's what I wanted to ask you. What happens when your wife comes home from work? What's the routine? Nothing. Nothing? No changes? No, not really. Um, no, I mean, she usually takes a shower and stuff when she comes home, you know. That's, like you said, she's not being exposed. She's in a she's in a, a different area. It, true, but I I will say that there you know there's there's always protocols in the hospital for oh I have a respiratory patient so you know they're going in gowned and and face shield and masks and gloves. You know, I said another way, they know how to deal with infectious disease. Well, here's here's my routine when I come home. But I'm. Instituted. I have to. Uh, I check in at the garage, and there's a bag of uh, clothes there for me. Oh. I have to strip out of the clothes You're from doing the... Mr. Rogers. <laughs> exactly. Getting your blue sweater on. <laughs> and you come I throw in. Throw everything in the washer, and then uh, then I can put on my other set of clothes, and then I can go in the house, and then I have to immediately take a shower. Oh. I, th- you know, I think you guys are good though. You're already inoculated. I think so too. I'm you know, just being extra careful, man. It, it would be, it would be nice to have a diagnostic test. Yeah, it would be nice. Wouldn't that be great? It, it would. I mean, it would, it would solve a lot of. I mean, you want to put people back to work. That's how you do it. You figure yeah, out. You've had you know, it. Go back to work. <clears throat> yeah, you figure out who's sick and you quarantine. I mean, that's what the South Koreans did, right? So you locked everybody down. You can move around, but you're going to get, when you're moving around, you're going to get tested. And if you tested positive, they took you immediately. <laughs> they quarantined you. And you couldn't get out until you were clear. Do you, you see the video of that guy in Italy? Yeah. Where he's standing in the middle of the street. <laughs> Did you see that? That is classic. You have to post the that. The guy's pull up. And the guy just walks out nonchalantly, kicks his legs out from under him, I, and then he's down. I, <laughs> It's like, wow. You're not supposed to be out here, pal. <laughs> Amazing. It's just so, crazy. Uh, yeah, I don't I think that'd be hard to do in the Americas. <laughs> I'm just well, saying. I read I read this morning that some there was a there I was like, you know, virus virus uh I can't remember the headline, but people were arrested for congregating together. Jeez. In Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. In Hawaii. Yeah. Well, Hawaii now, when you fly in, there's a 14-day quarantine before you can even go out. Flying in, it doesn't matter who you are. Is that on? <laughs> is that on Waikiki? Do they have their I, own beach? 14 days. Like, why even bother? I almost bought a ticket. <laughs> the first thing I did when I knew people were quarantined, I'm like, man, I'm getting laid off. I'll go on vacation for a few weeks. <laughs> Airfare was like 228 round trip. I'm <laughs> like, we can't afford not to go. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Guess what? That would have been a bad idea. 
It really would have been. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at this point, well, that's the whole thing about this. What seems like uh, a reasonable thing to do uh, right now, you know, six hours from now could be a totally ridiculous thing to be doing. So, I mean, it's changing. The whole thing has changed so rapidly. There was um, on the uh, Dobianki. Let me look this up here. There's a guy that did. um, He's been uh, tracking his friends in Italy and he's uh, he's in the wine business. And he uh, you like this. This is uh, remember the guy we just interviewed uh, just a month ago. Giancarlo. Giancarlo. Giancarlo wrote him a letter about his experience of going back. And uh, it's really interesting because he left, Giancarlo left the 21st of February and he returned uh, 20 days later, I believe. And he talks about his, uh, I'll just give you a quick, uh, a quick thing here. He says, uh, when they returned back, the schools had already been closed for 10 days. Families with children didn't know what to do. They couldn't drop their kids off at the grandparents because the elderly are among the most at risk. Bra, where I live, is a small town in the countryside with about 30,000 people. And uh, it's in Piemonte. Um, He says, um, and a third of the the largest number of infected people on earth are in that area. So, um, yeah, it's it's pretty nutty. But he he writes something about, uh, he goes, uh, um, he's the only one that goes out. His kids, his daughters have not been allowed out the house at all. And uh, he says, I've left the house three times since he's gotten back. My wife has gone out once. The event that marks the passing of another day is the e-bulletin issued every night at six by the government office of emergency planning. The numbers start with the uh, number of people who have recovered, then the number of infected, then the number of people in intensive care, and lastly, the number of dead. That's the number that hurts the most. I've started an Excel file where I jot down all of the numbers. And that field is almost the most painful to fill out. On March 19th, Father's Day in Italy, more than 700 people died in just one day. Wow. So he talks about his mother-in-law in in this, and I'm trying to find it. Um, If I can't find it, I guess I'll just uh, paraphrase. But his mother-in-law was actually sick. Oh, here. My wife's grandmother, excuse me, my wife's grandmother is 94 years old. She lives near Como in the region of Lombardy. Yeah. A few days ago, she wasn't feeling well, so the person who takes care of her called an ambulance. They were told that the ambulances are now used only for people 50 years old or younger. Everyone else can only hope that God will protect them. This is a situation that has taken shape in the most productive area in Italy. That's pretty sad, man. Yeah, their their hospitals are so overwhelmed that they're doing triage out in the field. You know, it's like, yeah, eh, yeah, that's, that's what's going on. So not to make light of I know we, we laugh a little bit, but we're only laughing to just deflect, at least in my case, to deflect from the pain of it, because it's a terrible it's a terrible thing to be to, to go through. Uh, we're all going to make it through the other end. We just don't know what the world's going to look like after that. You know, yeah. you know we're going to be we'll all be all right. I mean, I think it's perfectly fine to laugh at some of the absurdity around the reaction to the virus, but it's no joke if somebody gets this, especially if they're older. And um, uh, it's got to be just 
I can't imagine what it would be like for healthcare workers who have to try to cope with this and don't have the, the you know, the resources that they, the resources that could potentially be brought to bear because either, you know, something's in the way or, you know, there just isn't enough of it. Yeah. I also heard some crazy statistic, and this is again from that, that, um, that French doctor that's been, he's been keeping this blog of all this news. Um, that like 80, 80% of the like over 80 year olds in Italy who died, didn't even go to the hospital. Yeah. I mean, it's like, what? Like they didn't even get treatment. So, and maybe it's, you know, maybe the word is like, don't even go. We can't treat you. Good luck. Um, that would be, that would be bad. Oh, oh. At the end of this, as you say, coming through, it does benefit us because we're gonna we're gonna think differently about this stuff now. Um, and yeah, you know, look, hey, hey, look, folks, you want to know what the federal government could do to you in terms of crisis? Oh, a lot of nothing. Look right now. Yeah, yeah. Look, look oh, how organized oh, they are. Okay, they can't... I've been doing a pretty good job of, of staying away from the political stuff. Well, maybe not such a good job, yeah. but I find it comical. That yeah. every day, like we can't even we're get not tests. To sit. Tests. We're not... <laughs> How about just a effing test? And they swab you. You can drive through and get swabbed. What? What's taking so long? I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't. I don't. I don't understand that whole why that's going on, and I don't understand why they're not being pressed. It's like, you know, you can't have the main guy saying, you know, anyone can get tested because, well, obviously that's not true. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you say it over and over again. Not anyone can get tested. No, and if you're like when, dying, when 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 the when the president of the United States is standing up there and he's saying every day, he's saying, you know, this is serious. You know, we gotta, you know, do the. He's 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 in line now. You know, we gotta do the social distancing. You know, da 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 da. He's got people standing right next to him. They're breathing on him. Yeah, I. It's... I mean, they're standing shoulder to shoulder. I don't know. It makes no sense to me. And then they're passing the microphone around to the reporters and they're all grabbing the same microphone. It's like, what is going on? The, the message is muddled, Bill. Yeah, uh, beyond belief. Like, we just, I, people don't know what to do. You know, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a weird time. It's kind of like, hey, we have a virus. Everybody should stay home. Have you been to Costco? Yeah, I went to. No. I, 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 I went grocery. I get. I think they're epicenters of virus. <laughs> all the people that are really sick, they're going to. They're going because they're all trying to buy toilet paper and stuff. I know that's crazy logic. I'm just joking, but I mean seriously. I had to go and do my annual grocery shopping thing last week. Oh. So I go to Trader Joe's first thing in the morning. I hate crowds. You know, it's just one of those things as I get older and older, I just try to avoid them. So typically when you go to Trader Joe's at eight in the morning, there's nobody there. Yeah, the employees are there. Nobody gets up that early. Yeah. So I get there at eight and they're closed. They change their hours because they can't stock the shelves fast enough. They need more time. So they don't open till nine. So I'm there. And all right, what do I do? Well, I'll drive over to Costco, which is right across the way. Yep. And I'll see what time they open. And if Costco opens at nine, maybe I'll go into the Costco. I don't know. Pick up some toilet paper. You know? No. You can only get one package. So I go to the, I drive over to the uh, 
Costco, and as I'm driving over, I'm talking to my wife on the phone. I'm driving over. I'm going, oh, my God. I can't believe it. People are lined up. It's 810. They're lined up all the way going east towards the Best Buy. Oh, my God. Going around the building <laughs> and going towards the back. It's 810 in the morning. I don't know what time Costco opens. I think they open like 930. I'm like, what is in there? There's nothing in there that I need that bad. Hell, you can have everything delivered by Costco. You don't even need to go to the store, people. I mean, have you have you been in a Whole Foods lately? Not it's lately, like, no. It's like you and Amazon employees picking orders. <laughs> That's it, huh? Yeah. I the I on Monday. I went to the big Whole Foods at Cottingtown. We call it the big Whole Foods. I swear, I was the only, it was me and three other consumers in there, and the rest of the was store people pulling orders for people. Yeah. And I had noticed this change a couple of months ago where it seemed like, wow, there's a lot of Amazon people running around pulling orders off the shelves. I mean, they got the devices, they got the cart, yeah. and they got multiple bags in the cart. Well, that's just crazy. But I don't understand the panic buying. Yeah, I, I don't get it. I, I don't like what. What do you need eight months of toilet paper for? It's not going to run out. Yeah, what would you need four months of toilet? Paper. You're not. Yeah, you're not going to. It's not going to run just, out. You know, yeah, pretty strange. And then, you're like, really, folks, if it gets push comes to shove, you got working plumbing. You're good. I'm just yeah, saying. Hop in the shower. Wash your hands. <laughs> if nothing else, maybe we'll learn to wash our hands. Yeah, I think that's working out pretty good. Yeah. And, you know, we shouldn't sneeze on people. That's a bad idea. Cover your mouth when you cough. Not with your hand either. And if you do, go wash your hand. It's common sense stuff, man. It really is. So, um, yeah, our, our hygiene is going to be significantly improved, I believe. I which think. Which be good. I think. Well, hey, Bill, let's wrap it up. I did want to talk about my man, uh, Michael Broadbent. Uh the famous uh, wine professional, but I'm going to save that for next time because I got a lot of thoughts on him. Well, that's uh, good. Yeah, give him a give him a proper. Um, a he proper was uh, showing. Yeah, he was one of it, he was uh, the author of one of the first wine books that I bought, and you'll know that it's one of the first wine books I bought when you see this cover. I'm going to show it to you. Yeah, <laughs> and what I like is it's called wine book. The great vintage wine book. It just says wine. I just I I can't read the smaller font, but I yeah. just see wine book. And I'm like, oh, that's that's kind of funny to me. Yeah, well, it is. Not but that he I passed can't. or anything, or just just the fact that you had mentioned it's your first wine book and it actually said wine book. That's what I was laughing. And at. this this guy has, uh, you know, I mean, he's tasted uh, he's tasted wines from the 1800s on up to just recently you know he's and he he took uh meticulous notes of all his uh tasting experiences so it's a great book to it's a great read it's a really good reference i mean yeah if you that's ever, cool that's cool yeah you know that'd be interesting just to read what he wrote about wines from the 1800s that's something else so so that's that man um i'm gonna just uh we're just gonna hunker down uh no sun today so we can't uh, hang out on the back deck and have you been taking walks or anything? Like we, I walked over and dropped that stuff off yesterday. 
Uh, no, what I've been doing is uh, I got a trainer, a bike trainer, and I just been hopping yeah. on that. So I've been exercising a lot okay. because I'm trying to. One of the one of the minuses of being stuck inside is that um, you know you you got this nervous anxiousness that you have, so you tend to eat a little bit more. <laughs> so um, I've been trying to <laughs> trying to yeah, cancel my, that out by riding a little bit more. Yeah, my consumption's definitely ramped up. That's for sure. Ah, oh, it's three twenty. Oh, I have a beer right now. Oh yeah, man. Uh, beer, like, lunch, glass of wine. There's no, t- there's no time now. It's like, it's like when you're stuck in a house like this. It's like being in Vegas. There's no clock. It's, it's like camping. There's no clock. It's good. It's true. Whenever you it's feel true. like it. <laughs> it's so true. So that's the story. So hey, tell the family uh, we said hi. It was good to see you guys down at the pizza parlor the other day. Yeah, it was. I'm looking forward to the time when we can do that again. Yeah, for sure. That was uh, fantastic, and we uh, we have be- we we're still patrons of the Acre Pizza. Yeah, we got one. Um, we got one uh, last week. We yeah. went by. Their setup is great. You know, you just order it. Smart. You know, use your little phone, and then um, yeah, you buy you order and buy online and come pick it up. <laughs> yeah, they tell you when it's going to be ready, ready, and then they give you a text right before it's ready, so you can just you know kind of hang out if you get there early. Send your car. You send yep. you a text. You walk up. You get it. It's all, it's all, it's, it's really set up really well the way they do it. There's no line, That's awesome. you know, so they, they got it to where they got it spaced out. Yep. There's cool. even par bakes if you really want to go by and you can go no, by. I didn't know they did that. Yeah. He's got a that. whole, he does 80 pies a day, he said. And so he'll make some of them par bake. So you can just roll by and pick it up, finish it at home. Um, yeah. I, I think I'll do that. Yeah. Well, it's hard for me to beat that oven that he's got. Yeah, it's like 950 degrees or yeah. yeah, it's and and have you had the Detroit sorry sorry folks are going off the rails uh on pizza. Um, a little bit. But uh have you tried his thicker crust one, the the Detroit? I always forget to do that. And a couple people have mentioned that I should try it. Uh it's 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 crazy good. It's like focaccia pizza. Uh, okay, cuz I got I I got to be careful with that. I mean, we have to order two pizzas then because, you know, my wife only does the thin. I mean, she's a, oh, she's a connoisseur. She yeah. only does thin pizza. So it's worthwhile. Okay. It's only four slices and it's, it's, it's really good. I, I really like, I'm not a huge thick crust person, but man, this stuff is. And the other thing I love is like, I've had it a couple times and it's been awesome. Like his pizza is yeah. always, it's awesome. It That's a thing to crank out something that's consistent that's that good well you know one of the reasons that pizza is good and <laughs> one of the reasons it's consistent is that's all they do well i mean that's it's, that's, it's pizza you know, know that you know. i mean they're focused on that that one singular product you know they should a lot of people do the pizza they're trying to do spaghetti they're trying to do raviolis you know it gets a little muddled and blended when you're trying to do all these different things yeah fair enough It'll also be very interesting to me to see who survives from a retail standpoint through all of this. Oh, God. You know, this guy took, you know, there are retailers that took action immediately. Like they furloughed everybody. Like they cut the bleeding from having to pay people immediately. Yeah. And then they figured out who they needed to bring back versus there's a bunch of people that kind of kept people around. So I'm going to be... I have to be interesting to see who's just going to net out on all of this. Because I think things are going to really, this is a big change that's coming in a lot of ways. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of dropout. 
for, for no doubt. I mean, and it's going to be from places that you wouldn't even think that yeah. would drop out also. Yeah, I don't need bank tellers in the bank anymore. I don't need retail. I need I need half or a, fr- a quarter of the retail locations I have because my business didn't really it didn't really impact my business that much. Yeah. You know, there are going to be people that experience that. And, you know, companies like Amazon have figured the delivery stuff out. I think they're going to the Whole Foods they're that's going to work out for them. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, Jordan said, I don't need to leave the house. It just, it just, I just click a button. It shows up. Yeah. 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 Well, what started that whole conversation with him was that I went to the bank because one of the ways that I'm, you know, I'm a little old school. I like to have, I just feel <laughs> good having a little cash in my yeah. pocket. Right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I got, I got to go to the bank to, to get a little cash. So that experience of actually going to that bank during this time, it made me think, gosh, I don't know if I really need to be go- coming to the bank anymore. No. This is not this is not cool. No. I felt uncomfortable being there in the bank, and I felt uncomfortable for the people that were there working at the bank. It's like they don't they shouldn't be here either. Yeah, they don't they need to be here giving me cash. Yeah, they don't need to. You can get the so cash it, from the automated teller, the automatic. Yeah, so it was a weird, it was it was kind of a, it was like an awakening for me. So I had to kind of, so I'm going to have to rethink that whole thing a little bit. That's weird. That's weird. Going to the bank, because I'm such a people person. You know, yeah. I'm going to go in, hey, what's going on? Say hi. So I did get to get that part in when once I got out. But the whole process, man, it was totally changed. Only two people were alive in the bank at the same time. You know, you the distance thing. <laughs> it's it was weird. weird. It's weird. I'm walking around stores. You know, I'm, I've been out to the grocery store walking around. And you're just like, you get near people like, sorry. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. people are like, oh, excuse me. It's like, oh, my God. What is... People are friendly, but they're it's weird. It's just really hey, can weird. Can you imagine being an Italian and having to go through this, man? They love. It, they're like hugging it, and kissing. They can't get near each other. Why do Italians hit so hard? They touch each other all the time. It's part of their culture. They hug each other. They kiss each other. They, That's what they know, do. They touch each other. They hold each other's hand. Yeah. Like, you know, we're the, you know, I don't go, who's the antithesis of that? Maybe the Germans or the Swiss? I don't know. You know. Yeah, Germany's uh, light, uh, been no lightly touching. hit. It's... No touching. <laughs> we're German. <laughs> no touch anybody. <laughs> you know, well, it's kind of weird. That's Let's wrap it up, man. And yeah, we'll, uh, I'm sure talk we'll continue all. after the. We can talk <laughs> about virus all day. We can't. We have prattled on quite a bit. So, all right, everybody. Thanks for listening to us. We appreciate your attention. Um, tell a friend if you like what you hear. You can reach Al on the Twitters. He's man in the Twitter at Vino One Hundred One Net. So you can always reach him there. You can mail us if you email us if you want to at info at Vino One Hundred One, and you can always leave a. Um, a post on our on our blog at vino101.net uh stay healthy everyone cheers 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 everyone